Well, listen, we are, oops, honored that you're here. And uh, I want to show you something as we start the message. It'll put a smile on your face. Uh, it's a video, a little quick video, but I'm surprised the major news networks didn't carry this. So in case you missed it, it's the first time my grandson crawled. So I want you to, I want you to take a peek at this. See, he thinks I'm calling him on the phone. No. Come on, cheer him on. He's going to make it. <laughs> yeah, good job. You know, I share that more than just a proud grandfather, but how many know every good thing in life is because of God? How many know the air that we breathe, the food we eat, the measure of health we enjoy? How many know every good thing is from God? Today, we just want to pause and recognize that today. The older I get, I also realize that there's something more important in life than money and cars and houses and success and titles and influence and power. It's spiritual. Because I want to tell you, friends, the secret to happiness in life is a meaningful relationship with God. And when we find His place in our life, everything just makes sense. I've been a Christian, I was thinking, almost 42 years now. And in those 42 years, I, 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 I want to stand as a testimony to say God has been a blessing in my life. I have never regretted having anything that I left behind but I've also faced trials in life. There's, my life has also been filled with troubles and challenges. Uh, my wife just battled breast cancer. She's a five-year survivor now. That was, a, that was a challenge, and it shook everything within us. Now, let me say something that I've found over the last 42 years. I have an unshakable hope in Christ that no matter what I face, I know God is with me. He is a loving God. He is an all-powerful God, and you don't have to live life alone. And that's what I want to communicate with, this, with, it, with you this morning. A message is entitled, Hope is Here. And I hope that I can somehow, through God's Word and God's Spirit, open a deeper revelation to you that I'll never face anything in this life by myself, but you'll have an unshakable hope that God is always with me. And my hope this morning for all of us today is that we will find a fresh start in our relationship with God. So let's explore the Scripture today. We're going to begin with the story, the historical account, John 19 about Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. And I first declare to you this morning that Jesus Christ makes hope possible. As I speak from the Bible this morning, I want to encourage you, don't just hear these words as a spiritual book, but think with me this morning. This is the greatest book of history. More research has been done on it, more archaeological research to confirm its words, uh, a more in-depth study. Obviously, there's people that disagree with it, but countless people, way smarter than me, have, have, uh, have agreed, as I have and as perhaps you have, is that this is God's Word, and it is revelation to us, but it is also a history of some of the most significant events in the world. The last words of Jesus on the cross, G John 19, 30, Jesus said this. He said, it is finished. Yeah, it's finished, and he bowed his head, and he died. Now, I look back as a Christian 2,000 years later, I understand the positive meaning of that. But I want to suggest to you, when Jesus said it is finished, hope evaporated from the arena. Where Jesus was crucified on that horrible mountain, 
Hope evaporated. It was three in the afternoon. The Bible tells us that there was what amounted to an eclipse of the sun. In the middle of the day, it's as if God put his hand over the sun and it no longer would shine. Darkness was on the world. Christ has been crucified. The hundreds of followers of Christ that were around him felt helpless. They were afraid. The Jews that killed Christ, they thought would soon kill him. And if there's a word that describes it, it is hopeless. Jesus was supposed to change the world, and now he's dead. But three days later, history records this. Something happened that Sunday morning, which we celebrate and remember today, greater than what's called Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Luke 24, verse 1, very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb. Guys were scared and at home, I guess. Probably true. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now I want you to pause just a moment, particularly you that are a bit skeptical of the claims of Christianity. Fifty years ago, uh, America was a different place than today. When I went to school at Hernando High School, a small town in Mississippi, our principal would read the Bible and pray every day, and there was an undercurrent. Uh, There were even laws that many businesses were closed on Sundays. But as our world has become secular, people have dismissed the claims of the Bible. I would encourage you, if you've been affected by that skepticism, perhaps the greatest question that's worthy of your research is what happened to the body of Jesus Christ? My friends, Jesus Christ is the only person in recorded history that died and came back to life and is still alive. People have died in hospitals. They've been resuscitated. Uh, People have even been found in morgues. They thought they were dead, but they came to life, but they died again. And if the claims of Christ are true that he rose from the dead, all of his words demand our attention. Words such as, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Well, these two men suddenly appeared to them. These were angels appearing to the women clothed in dazzling robes. And the men asked the question of these angels, what are you looking among the dead for someone? Why are you looking among the dead for someone who's alive? He's not here. He is risen from the dead. History records that sometimes later, over 500 people saw him. Remember what Jesus told you, the Son of Man, that's Christ in his humanity, he must be crucified. The cross on your right reminds us of the horrible death Jesus paid, but Jesus himself said there's a necessity for that cross. It's more than an ornament to wear around your neck or put on the wall, but that cross was the place where the sins of mankind were laid to rest. He took a judgment on himself that he didn't deserve, that I deserved. He offered a substitutionary death. He paid a price that I couldn't afford to pay. Uh, But sadly, uh, the story, verse 11, sounded like nonsense to the men. They didn't believe it. But Peter ran to the tomb to look. Now, I asked the question this morning, why did Peter run? And I think it's as simple as this. Peter had hope that Jesus was alive. Something was birthed afresh in his heart. By hope, I'm simply, I mean this. Hope is a trust in God that something good will happen. A trust in God that no matter what I face in life, even death itself will soon pass by and God himself will ultimately reign. Hope is more than a wish. Hope is more than a rabbit's foot. Hope is more than luck. But the basis of the Christian's hope is in a loving, all-powerful God that can help us when we can't help ourselves. And I want to share three stories, actually three friends and I want to share our stories this morning about how you can find hope 
in your life today. Uh, I want to begin first with a, a dear friend. Her name is Dorothy, and we'll talk about hope for eternal life or hope to live after we die. Listen to her story. I have hope beyond this life because of what happened March the 25th, 2011, one something in the morning. A policeman came and said, my son, Alfred Brian A.J. Jones first, was in an automobile accident. It was fatal. And therefore, because there's hope beyond this life, I know I'll see him again because he was born again. Left too soon, but he's born again with Jesus. Because of the hope that I have in Jesus Christ, and his blood. I have not lost a night's sleep. Somebody said, how can that happen? Because of the phrase that he said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, and I will be with you always. And he has done that day in and day out. So I am asking each one of us to renew our faith, our trust, and place our hope in Jesus Christ because hope is here. Let's connect the dots if we can. 2,000 years ago to today, Christ died and came back to life, and he made a promise, we'll read in a moment, that we too can live if we believe in him. My friends, I I've been in vocational ministry probably 35 or so years. I've been to hundreds of funerals, and can I tell you, they're different when a Christian dies rather than when an unbeliever dies. When someone that knows Jesus dies, there's grief, there's sadness, there's sorrow. But when we leave that cemetery, we say, I'll see you later. Not goodbye, but I'll see you later. I did a funeral one time. I didn't know the family. I got a call from kids that were out of town. Dad had died. He lived in Texarkana. And they said, listen, we want you to do the service, but don't do, you know, any religious things. I don't, we don't need any preaching or anything like that. And I, and I thought, well, why did you call me? <laughs> but I went and I did it, and it was the saddest funeral I'd ever been to in my life. It's three or four or five people there. We're standing there. They turn on a little boom box, and the song went something like this. It was a country western song, and it said, when I die, dig a hole for me six foot deep on the lone prairie. And it sat little chorus two or three times, and it was the saddest place. It was darkness and despair because these kids that had not had a great relationship with Dad, it was over and it was a period. But I'm telling you, friends, I've been to memorial services where believers were literally crying and shouting praise to God because of hope that transcends the grave. And you think, well, maybe that's something that I have to worry about later on in life. My friend, just like that, your life can be over. It's not a morbid thought. There was a girl in our church in her early 20s. A couple days ago, babysitting in someone's home had a brain aneurysm. Ronnie was in the hospital just a day or two ago. He was having a heart attack, blood pressure skyrocketing. He thought he was that close to death, but yet he, God's allowed him to live. But here's the fact, friends. Every one of us are going to die one day. We don't want to think about it. I don't want it to happen. I look in the mirror now and I think, how did my grandfather get in the mirror? When I moved here, my son was a little older than my grandson. Now my son is almost 30. Life is a vapor. 
See, not only are you going to die, am I going to die, but every person you love is going to die. The person you came to church with today is going to die. But Jesus, his resurrection gives us hope that those that believe in him, those that follow him, those that know him as their savior will live after they die. The Bible tells us that we go through the valley of the shadow of death. How many know we come out on the side of eternal life? Let's ask three questions about death. Here's the first one. Why do people die? It's a basic question. You say, well, pastor, people die from heart attacks and cancer and sometimes old age at 104, they just wear out. Go deeper than that. The Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. The outcome of what Adam and Eve started in the Garden of Eden has infected every human being on the planet. And even that little baby, though that baby that you saw in the picture is growing every day for a period of years, he is one day closer to the end of his life on this earth. It came because Adam sinned against God, and the Bible says that all of us have sinned. We've all done wrong. We've all broken God's standards. And the tragedy, the next question is this, what happens when we die? Hebrews 9:27. the Bible tells us, just as each person is destined to die one time. The Bible does not teach that there's such a thing as reincarnation, that you came back if you lived a good life, that you'll come back as some higher life form, and if you were bad, you'll come back as a dog or a toad or a cat or whatever. That's not Bible. The Bible says you got one shot at it. You'll live one time, and after that comes judgment. You see, one day every person who's ever lived will stand before God on judgment day. That day has not yet happened, but today when people die, the Bible says for the believer to be absent from the body. That is when my spirit leaves my body. See, what we see in the funeral home is the body. It's not the real person. The Bible says our body is here one day to be resurrected, but our spirit goes to be with the Lord. Whereas the unbeliever, the one who has rejected Christ, the Bible talks about a place called Hades. It is the holding place of the dead awaiting this day of final judgment. My friends, the Bible declares, irrespective of what, uh, 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 what other people would say, heaven and hell are real, and the choices we make today will affect us for eternity. But here's good news. Is it possible I can live after I die? I promise you, my friends, every person that has ever left the OR or left the ER when the doctor came out with bad news, Every person that has been to a funeral and just before they close the casket, it's some of the saddest things I've ever known when loving people, even Christian people, are holding on, but they're not coming back in this life. But the Bible says we can live after we die. Listen to the words of Jesus. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said to the woman, I am the resurrection and the life. What's it say? Whoever Believe. believes in me, though he die, Yet shall he live. Let me say it again. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Now this word believe is an imperative to understand. Believing is not just giving intellectual assent or having knowledge about Christ. I was raised in the church and grateful for it, but how many know going to church doesn't make you a Christian? My mom gave me a Bible when I was a boy. I, t I learned respect for God. I'd take communion. But it was like I was going my own way in life. And God was back here, and on communion, I'd try to be real holy, and to me, that was not being ugly to my sister on Sunday afternoon. I, I usually made it about 15 or 20 minutes. That's true. It's sad, but it's true. But as I got older in life, I was going my own way. And I knew he existed, and every once in a while, I'd get in trouble, and I'd say, hey, me over here, can you help me, please? And 
Oftentimes God would, and I'd say, thanks. I remember one time I was doing something, and I'm going to tell you what it was. I'm ashamed of it. But I was this close to death in a car. And when my car stopped by the side of the road, my heart was panting after the other cars had screeched their tires coming two ways and me just zooming through. I stopped and I thanked God, but you know what? I kept going. But one day, it was August 15th, 1976. You say, how do you know that? I was there. <laughs> it was a time in my life, but perhaps like you today, I realize that something is missing in my life. I don't have a real relationship with God. I know he's there, but I've never turned my heart to follow him. And on that day in a Navy boot camp, I bowed my head and I asked Christ to forgive my sins. But listen, I did this too. I said, Jesus, I want to follow you as my Lord and Savior, and I invite you to come into my life. It was an invitation to receive Christ. And I'll tell you, friends, my life changed 42 years ago when I said yes to Christ. And the hope, I, I would never trade anything for the life that I've lived. Let's keep going farther. Uh, Jesus uh, said again, if you believe me, you'll never die. But then he asked this question in verse 26. He said, everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And he asked the question, do you believe this? And it's my question to you today. Do you believe that? And is there evidence in your life of your belief? When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished he meant that his death had paid the penalty for our sins. Now, that may not mean much. We say it often, but how about this? Let's say you have just bought a really nice truck. How many know if you're going to have a truck, you might as well have a nice truck? Let's say you spent, I don't know, 40-some thousand dollars for that truck. Uh, you just decided you would do without food for a while. Come on, you would do without heat in the wintertime. But all of a sudden, your wife said, look, this ain't working. But you owed 10000 more than they would give you for it, and you were in a pickle, and you couldn't make the payments. How I many know, lose your job, you're in trouble. And you've gotten multiple letters in the mail. The repo man says he's coming to take your truck, and you wake up on that fateful morning, and you hear a knock on the door, and you've got the keys in your hand. And you go to the door to surrender the keys because you failed to keep your end of the bargain, and you see a person you'd never met before. And that person says, what do you owe on your truck? Sir, I owe $29,432.17. And this man I'd never known pulls out his checkbook and writes a check to Ford Motor Credit Company for the exact amount and gives it to me. And he said, your debt's been paid in full. Now enjoy your truck. You say, what's the story mean? That's exactly what Jesus did. He paid a debt for our sins that he didn't owe because we couldn't afford to pay it. Come on, give him a big hand today. And it's a gift that he offers, but how many know you've got to receive a gift? If your grandmother says, hey, John, I've got a, a birthday present for you, and it's on my kitchen table, how many know until you go in her house and knock on the door sheepishly and say, Grandma, I'm here, you're not going to get that present. You can ride in front of that house every day. It's not going to jump out the window at you, and she's not going to hire the UPS man to deliver it. How many know you've got to go and receive it? That is exactly what salvation is like. Going to church is not enough. Acknowledging God periodically in our life is not enough. But receiving the gift of salvation in a prayer, asking God to forgiveness, I want to tell you, friends, it has the power to change your life. Amen. Everyone accepts or rejects Christ. This morning, my wife and I were getting ready. We were listening to Charles Stanley was coming on, and the TV station made this disclaimer. They said the following program does not represent the views of whatever station it was. There was a time when they would put it at the end of the show and said it may not, 
But very clearly they said, we don't believe in the Jesus Christ that they're talking about. Another man, a brilliant man, his name is Stephen Hawking. He recently died. He was a physicist and an atheist. Mr. Dr. Hawking said, the belief that heaven or an afterlife awaits us is a fairy story for people afraid of death. And he's a, he has his influence in secular society and science as we understand it in America today has been phenomenal. There is no God, and I'll explain to you life apart from God. I will tell you that life comes not from the Creator, but life comes from some evolutionary process. He will say that there is not such a thing as the God created the heavens and the earth, but there was a big bang or it just somehow the universe was self-existing. But I want to ask you the question, what if he was wrong? Because another physicist of equal intelligence, Blaise Pascal, philosophers call it Pascal's wager, this, this physicist said human beings bet with their lives or their eternal soul that God exists or does not exist. And this scientist said a rational person should live as though God exists and seek to believe in God. He said if God does not exist, we only have a small loss. But if he does exist, we have eternity in heaven. Yeah. Now listen, on a personal level, if the Bible is a fairy tale, I have had a wonderful life and would live in again exactly as I have. I had a friend this morning tell me he's got a turkey place to go in Kansas and I am excited and ready to go. I mean, listen, I have had a good life. Seriously, I've been married to my first wife for 35 years. My last daughter got a scholarship, a, virtually a full scholarship for UCA. She got the room, the, the dorm, and all the things that she wanted. I'm so happy and proud for her. Listen, so if the Bible is not true, I sleep at peace at night. God's good to me. I hadn't lost a thing. But if it is true, Pascal and I, come on, we'll be celebrating for all eternity. Yeah. While Stephen Hawking is regretting his rejection of Christ. Yeah. Give the Lord a good hand today. Let me shift to the second part of this message about hope. Jesus Christ can give you and I hope to face any problem in this life. Christianity is more than just the life to come. It is the life we live now. Listen to the testimony of a young man in our church, Pastor Travis Jackson. I have hope in the storm. You know, about five years ago, I was diagnosed with kidney disease. And at the time, I had about 50% function in my kidneys. Well, over the next three and a half years, that function went from 50% to less than 10%. Uh, over a year ago, I met with my doctors and they told me the worst news that, that I wanted to hear. And it was, you're gonna have to start dialysis and you're gonna have to get a kidney transplant. Well, this past October, I did start dialysis. Uh, every day I do at-home dialysis, I do four exchanges a day. And this is something that I never thought I would have to go through. It's something that I never wanted to go through. But I tell you, throughout this whole process, I felt the presence of God in my life. You know, God never said that we wouldn't have storms, but He said that we would, He would walk with us throughout the whole process. And I'm telling you, I can feel that every step of the way. I have peace, I have joy, and I have hope knowing that, you know, at any moment God could heal me or I could get a kidney transplant, but I know that God is still good and that He cares about me. And listen, if you're going through a storm in your life, I want you to know that He cares and that hope is here. This message I give today is more than just a paid preacher talking from a book. It's what people just like you and I live every day. A young man in his early 30s, two kids, master's degree, dreams, great wife. Everything is in front of him and all of a sudden you're hooked up to a dialysis machine. And if you stop, friend, you'll die. 
But you know what? In the midst of it all, I ask him virtually all the time, how are you doing, Travis? He said, I'm doing great. Now, I don't think he's living in a fairy tale or a dream world, but what he's saying is, he's saying, I have hope in God because God is with me no matter what I face in this earth. Listen, everybody faces troubles on this earth. Jesus offers hope in the midst of the storms of life. In John 16, 33, Jesus said this, You may have peace in me. However much the storm raises, you have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Now, I'd like to give you that precious promise rather than me. But Jesus said it's for all of us. Trials are out there. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Take heart means take hope. Take a sense of confidence and faith. Don't just rub your rabbit's foot. Don't just cross your fingers when you go in the doctor's office. Are you with me today? Look to God who said in Isaiah 41.10, Fear not because I am with you. Your knees may knock, your heart may beat faster, or you're with me today. But guess what? We go through the valley of the shadow of death. We're holding the hands of our Father as we walk through this. See, God is still a good God in an evil world. Bad things happen because we live in a world stained by sin. Hear me now. It's as if the world is a great forest and you can't see it, but underground there's a network of roots. And it's as if all of life has these roots of evil growing everywhere. There's things we were influenced from our childhood. There's things we picked up as we grew up in life. There's even things in our genetic code that, were, that were, caused us not to function well and even one day die. It's because we live in an evil world, and when we get to heaven, we can all punch Adam on the arm. Are you with me today? I mean, when Adam and Eve sinned against God and broke covenant, all this junk came flooding into the world. But I want to tell you this, friends. You can still find hope in Christ. The Scripture says in Psalm 46... God, say this with me, is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Come on, give the Lord a good hand. Listen, I cannot promise you that God will remove every problem in your life, but here's what I can tell you. Romans 8, 28, it says, we know. Let me say it again. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose for their life. Can I tell you, friends, it may not be good, but God can get good to come out of it. You say, well, how do you know that? I'll tell you a little story. Several years ago, it was about five years or so ago, my wife went in for her annual mammogram, and how many know when you get a call back from the nurse's office and said the doctor wants to see you, that's not as good as a letter in the mail that says all's great. So we walked into his office that day, and those nurses, they knew what was going on, and they were very respectful and kind. But we went in, and just matter-of-factly, he told her, he said, you have an aggressive form of breast cancer. And I remember our world was shaking. What happens next? What do we do? And, of course, he didn't for certain know. It could be chemo, could be radiation, could be surgery. She was all three for her. But as we walked out of that doctor's office that day, those nurses and their respect, it was almost like at a military funeral where they salute. Well, they didn't salute her, but you could tell their empathy. You could tell their care. And in the parking lot, two bags of emotion were there. And I hugged her. And I'm going to embarrass myself now. But with tears in our eyes, I said, honey, you're more than just a boob. <laughs> well, later on, we added .com to that. And she has told thousands and thousands of people who are going through a crisis in their life 
that you can find hope in God in the middle of this. She's told thousands of people, whether it was on the radio, whether it was interviews, whether it was magazines or on her own webpage, I'm telling you, friends, there's hope in Jesus Christ. And we can tell you, God causes all things to work together for good, so don't give up your hope. God is still good, even in a bad world. Huh? Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. You see, the hope of the resurrection is not just for when I die. It's for right now. Let me close with this one last thought. It's another testimony, but it's from a young girl. She was on our worship team, and her name just happens to be Hope, and she's going to talk about hope. But she'll talk about how God can give you a better life if you'll turn your heart to Him. Listen to her story. I found hope when everything in my life fell apart. A few years back, I was a dive bar singer addicted to drugs and alcohol in a toxic marriage and I was just living a life of recklessness and partying. My ex-husband had an affair and everything fell apart around me. I lost my home, I lost my job, I lost my dreams, and I thought that there was no hope for the future. But it was in that dark place that I found Jesus, and He offered me a better life with grace and mercy. And I was just so thankful that I had a new voice and a new hope and a new song and new dreams and I look at my life now and it's filled with unspeakable joy in my role as a mother and as a wife and as a worshiper. And I just want to encourage you today that if you are struggling, hope is here. How many can say that's my story too? Boy, I can raise my hand and say that it was. See, Hope was like many of us. In her old life, she was trying to find happiness, but looking in the wrong place. Let me listen to the words of Solomon. He was the wisest man of the Old Testament. He was a king in ancient Israel. And here's what he said in Ecclesiastes 2. He said, I collected great sums of silver and gold. He was a rich man. And listen to this next phrase. I had everything a man could desire. And that's a generic term. Everything a woman could desire. I didn't have zircons on my fingers or my ears. Come on now, or my nose or wherever it is. I had the real thing. Are you with me today? I had whatever car I wanted. I had the house that I wanted to live in. Everything I wanted, I had it. Every place I wanted to go. If I wanted to find a place to snow ski in the middle of July, come on, I could get to Antarctica if I needed to go there. I had everything. I became greater than all who lived before me. Power, position. My wisdom never failed me, education. I denied myself no pleasure. This man was a fun mobile for a period of time. Think about it. Money, power, uh, position, education, fun. But listen to what he said in verse 11. I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, and it was all so meaningless. Now, it didn't mean it wasn't good. It didn't mean it wasn't fun. But it mean when push comes to shove, it won't make you happy. You buy a brand new vehicle and one day it's going to get old. You, you build a brand new house today. You hire the best architect from New York to come to Texarkana. And everything is, is more perfect than fixer-upper. I mean, it is glorious. But you wait about 10 years and people will come in your house. Come on now. There's nicks on the places. There's spills on the carpet. The colors in the house are wrong. The light fixtures are wrong. No longer is oil rub bronze in or, or copper in or brass in. Something else is in. And now you're outdated. 
You see, it's like Hope in her video said, she chased after what the world offered, but happiness would slip through her fingers. It's like there's a bucket in our heart with a hole in it. And we try to fill the bucket with success and education and money and power and you name it, pleasure, sex, alcohol, relationships, but happiness leaks out. Only Jesus can fill the God-shaped hole in your heart. You see, Jesus wants a relationship with you. It doesn't say the other things are bad. It just says when you get Christ in your life, everything else takes on a whole new meaning. Wow. Let me share one last thing from her testimony. In her testimony, she didn't say this, but it's there. Jesus offers forgiveness and a brand new start in life no matter what we've done. Let me say it again. Jesus offers you and Jesus offers me a brand new start in life. Forgiveness for God is wiping the slate clean. It's not like erasing it on the computer and you can dig it out of the trash. It's like the old-timey chalkboard when your sins are up there. Come on, how many know the Bible says, though our sins be as scarlet, God makes them as white as snow. See, the Bible says he separates my sins as far as the east is from the west. He removes my sins from me. And I want to tell you this, friend. There's nothing you have done that is so bad God can't forgive it. I don't care how many affairs you've had. I don't care how many abortions you've had. I don't care how long your prison record is. I don't care how many jobs you've been fired from. I don't care how many people you have been violent to. I don't care if you've murdered and taken an innocent human life. I want to tell you, friends, if you will bow to the Christ of the cross, I want to tell you, friends, God can forgive your sins. And you don't have to carry the shame. You don't have to carry the guilt. But Jesus Christ can give you a brand new start in life. And you look at Hope today, I want to tell you what, she's a smiling, happy girl. She's got two babies. She's got a husband that loves her. He just bought her a new Jeep, and she's in hog heaven. Are you with me today? How could you go from singing in dives to finding joy in life, a brand new life? It's because of Jesus Christ. Come on, give him a big hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Now, I'm going to take this last minute or two. We're going to sing a song. We're going to pray and sing a song, and then we'll dismiss. But I want to ask you this question today. Is it time in your life for a fresh relationship with God? As I've been talking this morning, and stay focused on me as they come up here. As I've been talking this morning, do you feel like God's been talking to you? See, because my intent this morning is not to get you to join a church. I hope you'll come back next week, but that's not my big concern. My concern is for your eternal soul. My concern is if you were to die today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Because you know what, friends? We never know when it's coming. My concern for you today is are you living your life alone? Are you living your life with a confidence that God is with me? My concern today is do you have hope to sustain you in the crisis of life? Do you know the one that's the giver of hope? Because God is not just theology, He's not just words in a book. He's a very real spiritual being that wants relationship with you. He even calls himself our heavenly father. The Bible says of Jesus Christ, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So I ask you today, is today a day that you need God's forgiveness? Is today a day that you need a fresh start in your life? And I'm going to ask you something very boldly in just a second. I'm going to ask you if you want to make a step to Christ and receive him as your Savior. I promise you I won't embarrass you and nobody's going to do anything but clap for you. 
But today could be the greatest decision of your life. Would you just bow your heads with me just a moment? And as we shut everybody else out the way it should be, it's not their business. This is between God and us. I wonder if you're here this morning and say, Pastor, you're talking to me now. I want a fresh relationship with God. I want to ask God to forgive me and wipe the slate clean. I want to ask God to give me the hope of my salvation. I want to ask God to help me live the life that he's created me to live. I want to commit my life to Christ, and I want to begin following him today. If that's you, I want you to just slip up your hand all over the church building right now. That's right. Just slip up your hand. God bless you, dear. God bless you. Come on, others. God bless you, too. I see your hand. God bless you here on the front row. God bless you there on the second row. Others, wave your hand. Nobody's missing. Saying, I'm going to get my life right with Christ. God bless you, too, dear. Others, just wave your hand. Wave it at me real high. God bless you in the back there. I see one, two, three, four hands in the back. Others, say, pray for me. I'm going to get my life right with Christ today. God bless you, too, sir. God bless you, too. God bless you, too. Someone else, say, pray for me. You could be a Christian if gotten away from God. God bless you. I see your hand, and I see your hand in the back. Others, say, pray for me. I'm going to get my life right with Christ today. God bless you, sir, in the back. I see your hand today. Someone else, say, pray for me. I'm going to put my trust in Christ today. I see your hand over by the corner. God bless you too. Come on, everybody give them a big hand today. Here's what we got. I want everyone to stand to your feet right now. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite you to come and let us pray for you. Pastor Mike will be right here in the altar. We would like to pray for you. You say, well, why do I have to do that? Here's what Jesus Christ said. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. My friends, in a church building, and again, I don't want anything from you. I don't want your money. I hope you'll come back, but what you do is your choice. I want you to get connected with God, and I want you to have the change that hundreds of people in this room have in their life that Christ has changed my life. And I want to tell you, friends, it takes courage to follow Jesus. It is not easy to live the Christian life, but I want to tell you, friends, it is worth it. So I want to invite everyone, if you lifted your hands to come get right with God, slip out of your chair and come let us pray for you right now. Come on, you want to get right with God today? Give him a big hand. I want to, I want to change in my spiritual life. I want a fresh start in my spiritual life. Come on, you that lifted your hands. We want to pray for you today. Come on, give him a big hand all over the building. I'm getting right with God today. I'm putting my trust in Christ. I'm making sure that my eternity is secure. Come on, just keep coming. Whether you lifted your hand or not, say, I need to get right with God today, Pastor. Come on, others, give them a big hand. God bless you too, dear, as you come. Others, say, pray for me. I want to get my life right with God. I want to get my life right with God. Now, listen, you that are here, you, look at me just a second. You, you are born again in the family of God. What does that mean? Jesus has given us a brand new start in life. And it's a life that we live in community with other Christians and with other believers. And the strength that you're going to find in your life and the hope is going to come as you walk with him every day of your life. But we want to say we are proud of you more than words can say. But more than our being proud of you, Jesus is proud of you. And he has a life that he's intended you to live. And uh, listen, Pastor Mike is going to pray with you right over at the cross, right over here. So why don't you just slip out with him? Come on, give him a more big hand. He's going to pray with you right now. And we want to close the service this way. We're going to close with a song. But I'm going to invite our prayer team to come down once again. And we would be honored to pray with you about anything in your life. Perhaps there's a crisis like Pastor Travis with the kidney issue. Perhaps you're here and you're like hope that you are living away from God out in the world and you want God to help you change and, and begin living for Him. 
Maybe you think about death and it's a scary thing and you want someone to pray for you. Whatever it is, friend, there's people here that love you and they'll take time to pray with you. So let's go ahead and sing our last song. We'll pray for you as you come. You come, let us pray, and then we'll dismiss.